0: Mullican Flooring is dedicated to creating hardwood flooring unmatched in quality. Located in Johnson City, Tennessee, our solid and engineered hardwood flooring options are perfect for any room in the home, including new office spaces as we adjust to a new normal during these trying times. There's no need to give your floors a second thought. To view Mullican's flooring collections or to locate a local retailer, visit MullicanFlooring.com. Hi, this is Michael Martin with the National Wood Flooring Association, and you're listening to the Real Answers Podcast. Today, as usual, we have Chris Izzo with us from CNR Flooring in Boston. How are good. you today, Chris?
1: As always, I'm um, freaking terrific, man. Well, it's good. a good day.
0: Yeah, it's a good day. We're actually recording some uh, podcasts here at the NWFA Expo um, in Orlando, and um, I just had the pleasure of spending some time with Marquise, uh, our special guest today, in Las Vegas at the surfaces show, the Tice Show, a couple of weeks ago. So welcome. Why don't you give us a little intro and tell us about yourself? Hey, I'm Marquise Wright, and I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. I've been
2: in the business since two thousand nine and I'm just happy to be here. yeah, we're happy to have you so two
1: thousand nine obviously a veteran here <laughs> came on, Tell us about you know your business um family based business um
2: <laughs> that wasn't something easy to do, <laughs> but um we we stick together, and um it took a lot of growing. And it took a lot of maturing, um, even on all parties, in order for us to be able to be able to work today together. And um, right now, my brother, he's pretty much my lead uh, guy on on installation. And right now, I'm mainly focused on running the business and growing it.
1: Okay, this is your older brother, younger brother?
2: A uh, younger brother. He's five years younger. Um, okay, I'm 30. He's 25.
1: Right on. Yeah. Uh, so the good news there is you guys have a you know a long time to go for some longevity and really build something into a future
2: yeah that's one of the things that was important to me which was uh looking for for us to last and and it was like uh I had to shape a lot of different things like the their personalities um the wear and tear on the body all those things to take in consideration when we want to go somewhere and last
1: yeah well you've made your 10 year mark and you know i look back on one of my beginnings and a few of my mentors And one of the things I heard was, you know, you're in danger in year one of always going out of business. And then I made year one and I told the mentor who told me, hey, year one, you know, I made it. And he goes, no, 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 you weren't listening. (laughs) The first three years are when a business can fail. And so after you get past year three, I mean, you can always fail. But once you pass year three, there's a formula that you're working on and you keep always now you're trying to make, you know, make the secret sauce better and improve on your business. And if you ever make it to year 10, well, now you've got longevity on your side and you've already made year 10. And so those of you out there listening, you've already made your year 10 your year five, your year seven, wherever you are. But remember this, it's a pattern that's going. And so you've been on a pattern now for, you know, 11 years. What is you know, what's next? What's the patterns that you like, the patterns you don't like? Are you stuck in something? D- t- tell me about what you guys are working on and, and who your ideal client is at the same time.
2: So that's that's actually one of my specialties was watching patterns. So uh, watching the patterns from us is like, okay, I noticed that sometimes my body is tired and exhausted. So um, I realized that when I was working, I needed to be growing my my mind. And, uh, I started listening to podcasts. Um, I listen to books all day at work because I don't have to think about work anymore. It's like something I can just do naturally. So, um, <clears throat> when I'm, I'm taking in all this information, it's like, how can I start to apply it today? And that's, that's pretty much what I, what I, my go to is, okay, how can I, uh, grow the guys, which is like investing in their education with the, um, in the flooring community. Cause it's, it's now so it was like, okay, for me, I needed to get out there and get this information. No, I really benefit better if they had it. All mm-hmm. my guys. Okay. And, um, so when they're getting involved into it now, it's like, all right, well, they're starting to see there's more possibilities for them to open up, like they can actually be making more money. But most guys get nervous about the business side of things. And, um, so I've just been like working on ways how do I simplify that? Like I've really been in the background trying to put in the work like solving the flooring crisis before I realized there was flooring crisis. And um that was just from being able to watch like um like you said the patterns. Mm-hmm. And um I was getting like contracted through uh Kellers which had um a contract with Lowe's in my area. Okay. And, um, when they lost their contract, we were out of work and I noticed that I didn't get to dictate the prices. And I noticed with the more people I hired, there was a decrease in the finances going to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, um, when I was able to see those things, it was like, how do I work that out? Because I had everything mapped out previously that each installer could pull in $50,000 or pull the business in $50,000 with no experience. And, um, When I started to see that, it was like I didn't get to live it. So when I started living it, it's like, okay, well, the guys make more mistakes. Okay, well, if I'm away, then who's actually going to make sure things are straight the way that I want it to be? So that's when it got into, okay, you guys need to get educated.
1: Mm -hmm. So Um, what are the the tools? Um, By the way, I, I love what you're saying. So what are the tools you're using to keep your guys organized? you know, um, in terms of not making the mistakes or what's your paper trail? Are are you, how do you do crews going out? What's your work order look like? Well, for starters,
2: I started off with a work culture and, um, we, we honored these core values that we came up with. And, um, it was every, every week meetings. I know that annoyed the guys sometimes. (laughs) And, um, actually I cut back some, um, but, There was a point where it was, Hey, it's my way or the highway. We're doing this, this, this. We're going to prep this job all the way out before we lay down one piece of floor. And, um, if when I started that culture, it was, I just so happened to get lucky that my family respected me enough to follow my rules, like the, to go with me on this. Like they're like, Hey, we're, we're betting on you. So I had to, um, a lot for me is like mental. And um, sometimes I started off writing things down until somebody stole my book of my flooring plans for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from there, it's like I still had it, and I was just like, "No, we don't give up. We, we're gonna like we're gonna make this happen."
1: Yep, perseverance.
2: Yeah, and a lot of when starting the business, it was out of anger. I, I was angry with my dad. So funny, like I know, sidetrack here, but
1: that's okay. We we like sidetracks. So, all right. So you hate your dad? Well, I don't hate him. I love my dad,
2: <laughs> but um, he he told me that me starting a business was a bad idea, and it pissed me off. <laughs> and um, I said, you know what? I'm going to start this business. And I told him my company name I was like it's going to be Mister Right Flooring. He said he didn't like the name. I was like. Whatever, dude. This is going to happen, and I'm gonna shove it in your face.
1: <laughs> so, so listen. We're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a segue on this story, and I'll tell you why I love it. Um, so I I flunked out of college with a .56, and you really have to focus to get down there. And um, so you it was, registered
0: and never went.
1: Basically, yeah. I, I went there to play soccer, and then I found out if you didn't have good grades, you couldn't play soccer. So I was like, well, I'm leaving. Have a good day. And my buddy's neighbor. Uh, Well, my buddy Rick, who's the R and C and R back in the day in 1986, he quit school before I quit school and his next door neighbor had a hardwood flooring company and he got a job working for Aldo Vagentic Wood Floors. Well, then when I quit school, Rick got me a job working for Aldo Vagentic Wood Floors. And after about six months of working for Aldo, I went to my dad and I said, Hey, dad. I need $10,000 to start a hardwood flooring company. And he said, (laughs) he said, literally, I swear to God, he said, you're too stupid. (laughs) And, uh, he's like, no. And I'm like, no, I go, I go, dad, I get it. I failed in college, but this, this wood floor thing, I get it. I know how to do this. I'm telling you, I can do it. Just, I need the 10 grand. And he goes, I already told you, you're too stupid. Oh gosh. So, so I, I know where you're, where you were placing your anger. And so now I'm, I'm borrowing the equipment after work from Aldo and six months, eight months go by Rick and I, I'm, and I'm saying to Aldo, I'm like, Hey Aldo, can I borrow your truck? My cousin needs some hardwood floors. And he's like, you know, this is like your fourth cousin. I mean, you have a lot of cousins you know? <laughs> and we were doing floors, saving money. Rick and I, Rick bought the big machine. I bought a used truck. Rick bought uh, a buffer. I bought an edger. And before you knew it, we had everything you needed. And almost two years had gone by at this point. And my father came up to me, and he goes, hey, get over here, you. And uh, we were were making pretty good money on the side as a moonlighting company. And he goes, you know, I've been thinking about that uh, hardwood flooring company you want to start, and I'm going to loan you the $10,000. And I wow. looked right at him and I go, you know what, dad, I don't need the $10,000. And mm-hmm. I was really abrupt with him. And he said, that's right, you don't. Why are you still working for that guy? It's your time. Go do this. Mm. And so my father was an old school Italian, tough love guy. And I get the impression maybe your dad was in a similar way of, of saying no to you to make military. you stronger. Yeah. So military background. Right. And so that was my dad. My dad, he didn't think I was stupid. It was his way of motivating me. And I would still to this day prefer he didn't go with stupid, but you know, it did push me to get it done.
2: Yeah. And and that was a, like, I I wouldn't have been able to run a business how I run it today without um, a mentor. Yep. And um, I had a, so I had a neighbor um and uh, the, he he was running a crew of 30 guys on a roof and company and i was like i need to know what this guy knows and i asked him i walked over to him we had our first conversation just moved in the neighborhood and uh i we just couldn't stop talking i needed more information learn everything he knew we probably talked for like 8 hours that day
1: it, yeah and you're <laughs> sponging it up right
2: <laughs> yeah and, um he said, "Look, I want to coach you, but you have to be coachable, and uh you have to let me do it my way And by that, he wanted to be like extremely hard on me, mm-hmm. but it was like from what i it was exactly what I needed, from even from having a military background dad, I needed somebody to drill this into me and don't let me give up. I like it. Yeah. So <laughs> what was a funny thing was I was getting paid a dollar square foot and I found out quick when you're one installer getting paid a dollar square foot, you're you're not gonna make much to make a living. So on average with a here and there helper, I pulled in maybe thirty four thousand dollars. It was thirty-four thousand. And um that wasn't even enough to pay a helper. Mm-hmm. So um This guy, he would ask me, God bless Earl. He says, uh, what kind of issues are you having? I was like, he got me trained to not talk about problems. So he's asking me for what's my problems. I said, well, I'm not making enough money. So he says, now you're not going to like this. Can can I say something here? Yeah, you can say anything you want. All right. So he says, you're not going to like this. And he says, uh, he slams his hands on the table and says, do you like getting f***ed? <laughs> <laughs> that statement changed my life. <laughs> so um, that I was really upset when he did that at, at the time. And you got to think, this was like we're studying at 11, 12 o'clock at night. And because um, he was teaching me a course called Leader and Leadership. And uh, I was so upset and offended that the next day when I was in the shower that morning, I just couldn't do nothing but think about that. Like, I'm getting paid a dollar square foot, and I went into, um, it was another company that was through uh, Home Depot then, and um, I quit that day, and I wrote down a full page of flooring companies in my area, and and I said, I'm not going home until I get a job. That day, two hours after I quit, I got two flooring companies that were paying me um fifty percent more on what I was, and mm-hmm. another one was like let's say from 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 that experience from thirty four thousand dollars I went from a hundred and thirty four i mean thirty four thousand a year to a hundred and eighty that year, so this was a huge leap for me, and I had to promise it to a few guys that was like it was primarily two guys to help me accumulate that. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, I, that's when I start realizing, okay, 50000 per inexperienced person. Now, that was flawed because I realized that um, I start adding on all my family members, hey, come work with me, come work with me. And, uh, like, I'm seeing dollar signs, and I'm like, oh, we are not getting work done right now <laughs> cuz nobody knows what to do. Right. One minute somebody's doofus and the next minute somebody got it. It's like, "Okay, let's go." But yeah, it was like I, I learned how to manage the the workers and manage um
1: work at that time. Well, you climb your way up the ladder and that's what you do and and you find that, you know, what works for some of your employees doesn't work for others, but you still have to create this culture where everybody can work together and you need to work towards customer service and and reliability yeah. and then growth at the same time. One of my mentors told me that if you understand your costs and then you put a proper margin on top of that or, you know, just in layman's terms, if you know how much it costs to do and you put a the right profit on top and then sell it. You have a formula for success. So now you have to sell as much of it as you can and then deliver. If your costs are in place correctly and your profit margin is correct, you don't need to worry. You focus on quality and sales and push for as much sales as you can get. And that's really raw on advice. And you can, you can drill into that. Like you said, you know, earlier, you know, you're a detail guy and you like to measure things mm-hmm. and. So, do you measure, do you look at your company monthly, weekly, quarterly, annually? How do you? Um, and do you look at dollars or production or both? So, um, my
2: brain is always doing numbers throughout the day. Um, um, like even though I can have it calculated like for like um I have my jobs mapped out for a full month. Um, and throughout the month I write down the anticipated dollar sign and usually that's more by the time the job is over cuz you got to add floor prep work in so I'm already kind of like estimating and also I, I was fortunate to have an accountant that doesn't charge me um it's more like family the guy who trained me floors his mother-in-law was is is an accountant a retired accountant and um I did some work for her she's just been that that they adopted me it's full family and um <clears throat> so when you notice you function a lot different
1: when somebody else watching
2: your dollars.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the truth? I have had to put people in place so that I don't let them down. And I'm actually just trying not to let myself down, but not wanting to let down a mentor is some of the best energy you can, you can pull from. Mm -hmm. So I I had that happen with, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but he's a uh, he's a flooring guy that I've helped over the years with some advice here and there. And then one time, he just, I don't know, I asked him if he did something that we suggested he should do, and he didn't do it. And I said, look, if you're not going to listen, man, I don't have time. <laughs> I go, I barely have time for myself. I'm making time for you. And if you're not listening, I'm done talking. Got to be coachable. Got to be coachable. Well, you know what? He changed his behavior immediately. And I got a call like six months later and an email and it was fantastic. And and he said, he goes, you know, that day you pushed me. I said, yeah. He said, I needed that. I said, you did. You did. And so guys that are listening, if you don't have a mentor right now, I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself. You know what your holdback is. Change that behavior. Push yourself to do the right thing for you, for your company, for your family, for your future, because if you can look in the mirror and say, "Ah, I knew I shouldn't have been doing that, well, change that behavior and and get back on track. Uh, Those of you who are listening to the multiple podcasts we've done in the past about self funding yourself, meaning take a percentage of your profit that's coming in or every dollar that's coming into your company. It comes in on a regular basis. I got a deposit check for 3000 today. I got a deposit check for 10,000. I got a, I sent an invoice to the customer for $5,000 for the job we sanded. Each of those checks come in in dribs and drabs, take three or 5%. I don't know, Marquise, what your volume is and you don't have to tell me. But if you're, if you're a smaller company, that means you have smaller costs. And if you're charging the right amount of money, well, then you can take more than 3% or 5%. Some of you could take 10%. The check comes in. Let's just use five for a number. It's an easy one. $5,000 check comes in. Take 5% of that money. Put it in a different account. Take your bottom line profit first and save it. I say this all the time, but the mm-hmm. reason I say it all the time is because when I come to places like Expo or, or I go to a Bona thing or a Loba thing or anything I'm going at and I might be speaking or I might just be listening, people come up to me and they're like, hey, I want to tell you I've been self-funding and I'm doing 7% and I have this much. Mm-hmm. And so guys, if you're not paying attention to all the details of business and Marquise, I get the impression that you, you are paying attention and you are coachable. And so be coachable out there. Coach yourself. If you don't have a mentor, I suggest you find one. And, but take that bottom line profit first. Because guess what? I'm not telling you to take it and go spend it. I'm telling you to take it and move it over here and put it in this bucket. Never put this money in your operating account. Because in your operating account, it's going to get spent.
2: Yeah, and, and I made those mistakes early. So yeah, um originally I started off doing the 10%, but you know, it was a, I'm young, so I'm I'm like, what do I do with all this money? <laughs> so eventually, if you don't know what to do with that money, you're going to lose it. <laughs> this, is,
1: this is called discipline. I would tell you right now the thing to do with that money. When we started self-funding, the first thing we did when the money got to be too Too tempting. Is that a good way to put it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we bought a building. Okay. We used that money as a deposit on our building and created an asset for the company. Again, the money never went away. I didn't waste it. And what I want for you and what I want for anybody listening to these podcasts, what we're trying to say or what I'm always trying to preach, and, uh, is this I'm 35 years into the career. I'm glad I've developed some of this thinking, you know somewhere around 2000 I think is when I really smartened up and I've gotten better as the years go on. What I want Marquise is here and is a year 11. Now what I want for you Marquise I want you at year 22 to go I remember I was on that podcast with Ziza and you know we set some goals that day on longevity and that's what you need to do you need to if you create that asset like you're building, well now, Eventually, you're going to be 35 years, 40 years in the business like me, like Lenny and Lenny Hall. What we'll do, well, it's an asset that I'm going to sell into my retirement or I'm going to keep it and my successors are going to pay me rent. So I don't want you to go 25 years in the business or any of you listening, go 15, 20, 30 years in the business and turn around. And the only thing you've accumulated is 30 years of doing hardwood floors. Right. I want some assets. And self-funding until you have enough to buy a building or a house or or anything, but not a Ferrari. <laughs> it's going to depreciate.
2: Yeah, or dump it in
0: education, right? <laughs> well, you know well, what? Speaking of education, though, yeah, I mean, that's... Good segue. Right? <laughs> um, you know, Marquise and I had an opportunity to spend some time together out at Tice uh, in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. Um, and um, I know you're a big believer in education, so why don't you talk to us a little bit about um the floor covering education foundation i know you're kind of serving as a spokesperson for them um tell us about your your perspectives on education
2: um so the floor Ca- covering education foundation was uh something that was just randomly presented to me a couple years ago and i didn't have like the full details on it until recent um and uh pretty much what we're doing is is looking for the flooring community to help out with the floor covering crisis, which is we've been losing on average 5,000, 6,000 installers per year. And uh, we have a thriving industry and we don't have enough workers in the industry. And uh, this foundation is created to actually help pay, to educate the like ushering new um, generation of installers and uh, allow for them to be able to just come into the industry educated. And, you know, those guys are going to come out, you know, from a trade school pretty much and uh, be able to get right into making money. Because we all know, like, we're paying, dumping a lot of money in these colleges. And uh, a lot of the guys, they're not doing those trades, you know, you're going to school for uh psychology and you you have no profession in psychology. you end up being a teacher or something you know you, anything right so um that that's primarily what the goal is to uh educate the flooring industry and and my main takeaway or or goal is to be able to be an image that really makes the kids really want this you know
0: so tell us uh tell us uh how people can get involved if they want to help with the installation crisis.
2: you can go to fcf.org, and uh there's that's the website that um we've been referring everyone to go to to read about it and uh as of now, I'm not really sure what the f c f is doing to to getting allowing people more people to be aware of it. My biggest thing is I I think that the world should start getting to know about FCF rather than just the flooring community right now. So that's that's been my biggest uh, mission right now in my area, which is to allow everybody in my area in Jacksonville to know about the FCF and what we're doing.
0: Well, I think that's perfect because you know the reality is um, the the new installers that we need aren't going to come from the flooring industry. So we've got to go out to other places and find them and and find people who are willing to come into the industry um, and create a path for them that is you know profitable and a way to make a good living. So um, there's a lot going on there. So you can find out more about that at fcef.org. And you've been listening to the Real Answers Podcast, Markey. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me.
1: Right on.